Ari Shafir. There we go. Hey, man, we're back at it. The last time we did this was at the Austin Moon Tower Comedy Festival, and my tactical error, uh, never record a podcast outside of the comedy festival. <laughs> no, actually, it was pretty cool. I told Joey Diaz. I was like, ah, oh, Maron came up. Judah Freeland. Well, Maron sat down. Mark Maron sat down, and then it became all about Mark Maron. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And Mark's a good dude, and there was, what, who, Judah Friedlander was yeah. hanging out, and then... It was cool. It was just like, fuck it. There's a lot of these people here. Let's just get them all. <laughs> well, I think we covered the religious period before everybody sat down. And now we're in San Francisco... Uh, I watched you co-headline last night at Cobbs with Joey Coco Diaz. Yeah. And then after the show, you're completely descended upon it's by great. people offering you weed. It's like, great, man. Like you're some uh, uh, mystical god or something. People want to like sacrifice a goat for you. I've developed a few fans and all they want to do is smoke pot with me. What it's you, one of the coolest things. Wait, what do you think? Do you worry about being the pot guy? No, because it's not like I like go out of my way to do a bunch of pot jokes and, and try to wear like pot clothes. But people know that you love weed. But people know I love weed. So yeah, exactly. Like, hey, you want some of this? I walked around the corner from this club, The Stand in New York, and these guys like, you want to smoke pot with us? I'm like, yeah, sure. But there's a, there's a police station on one side, so we got to go around the other corner. And uh, they were like, is this a problem smoking pot with fans? And I was like, oh, it's better than if my fans want to do push-ups with me. Right. <laughs> it's a lot, or it's not heroin. Or yeah, something. that was work. Yeah. Uh, but you had not only people lining up to give you weed, uh, there were people like uh, who had to go, obviously, and just came out here, Ari, yeah, and like gave you joints. <laughs> You're just being given joints. Dude, I talked about this once on a podcast where I think in Austin, where I said I got a heavy handshake where somebody just looks at you and cups it, you know, a little longer and then just walks away. And I, from then on, they've all been cool about giving me heavy handshakes. When did you start smoking weed? Because you, you you grew up Orthodox. I grew up Orthodox. I, I did a little bit in um, in college, like um, this is a tight joint, like uh, just here or there at parties, but it would obliterate me. And then a little bit when I moved to LA, my roommate smoked a lot of weed. And then I don't know, maybe like five six years ago, I went to a dispensary with Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo. I didn't have my license yet, and they made care packages for everybody. And the guy behind the counter was like, should we get one for Ari too? And I, they were like, yeah, okay. And so I just had all this weed in my apartment. So then I may as well start smoking it. Before that, if I bought like a gram, it would last me a year. I would just like... But you're pretty open about it. Don't you worry that your Orthodox family is going to like find out and yeah, be like, Ari, what the I don't, I don't the keep fuck? any secrets. I, yeah. I just, I sort of have an understanding with my parents that they don't tell me about anything they hear. And I get to keep being honest. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's like, just don't bring shit up. Uh, I remember when I lived in Amsterdam, there was a big drug bust from New York, uh, flying from New York to Los Angeles or to Amsterdam. Uh, with drugs, these Orthodox Jewish people put all these ecstasy tablets in their big, long beards. That's where they hit them. Yeah. And it was like this, like foolproof. There was a movie about it, but I don't, I never saw it. Holy rollers. It was like 10 years ago. Yeah. And they got you were in Amsterdam for that. Yeah, I was in Amsterdam when they got busted, and it was like apparently this was like the biggest supply bringing the into of, Amsterdam of ecstasy coming into Amsterdam from New York. Wow! In Orthodox Jewish, and Orthodox who would search a rabbi a beard, exactly. rabbi's beard? Right. Yeah. Perfect. And rabbis don't give a fuck. You think they're religious? <laughs> so they can't deal with drugs. Like there's no law against drugs. <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan's been really good to you. That um, it seems like you've done a smart. Uh, strategic strategy in your career that you've teamed up with guys like your co-headline with Joey. It seems yeah. like a, uh, well, one, it's a lot was easier. Was that accidental? Well, we have the same agent. 
And oh. then um, and then we had the same sort of similar draw, so it becomes more of like a, a bigger thing. So was it like yeah, a with game Rogan? Plan? It became like early on. I saw this as no, but we do some of these shows. Um, yeah, early on I saw all those guest spots as like like Carson type type guest spots, just on a smaller level. So it's like just do as many podcasts as you can. I think it's a bigger level now. Yeah, more because nobody more loyal. watches late night talk shows anymore. Nobody cool. Everybody nobody listens to the cool. podcast. Yeah. People working, hammering, fucking working with their hands. You can rewind really quickly if there's a part. You're like, wait, what, <laughs> what the say? fuck did you they say? Go back five minutes. You can't do that on Carson. <laughs> Why do I say Carson? Because that's the last time it mattered, maybe. So uh, when did this, when did the, because it seems like your career is on fire. It's going great, man. I don't know. Did you see a bump after you got on television? Yeah, way back in the day, sure. Yeah. But I mean, this new podcast yeah. era was this like my first, Rogan. This is my first bump. Yeah. Where before this, like two years ago, I was just struggling to get into clubs, like play anywhere. Just like give me the league minimum, I'll come. But nobody would be like, eh, I don't know. And now it's great. I get to go everywhere, make decent money. Yeah, it's this cool bump where I get to just be a comic. Uh, what's this thing in Switzerland? You're going to go to Switzerland and like just. The Montreal Comedy Festival. They what? Want, yeah, they want me to judge fucking five American comics. I don't know. I'll just be like, you're all doing great, but here's what I liked about yours. It's like, <laughs> I already, I don't judge comedy for for good money and for a free trip. Go see my brother. I'll be like, oh, I'll just, I'll give everyone between a 9.5 and a 9.9. Whenever I see a comedian that, um, that uh, I don't like what they're doing or they're not very talented, I always yeah. say, um, when my opinion is asked, I always go, uh, it was artsy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's not my, you know, it's not it's my like it's, No one's going to get their feelings hurt. Yeah. <laughs> told they're artsy the problem is how do you say it with one of those t- those guys that are so fucking typical and boring on stage and they're doing like some version like hey you ever see this guy from this neighborhood and it's just so bad and you want to be like i mean i'm sure it's getting laughs but i just don't like it and you can't say who they are or anything what is the greatest comedy advice you've ever been given um man i remember going through my first rut i started the store Where'd you start comedy? Orlando. Okay. And then you came to New York. I mean, to LA, right? No, and then I started, I did all these gigs around Florida. I was in high school. I had a fake ID. And then and then I started out on the Southern Circuits. And then I built my way up the East Coast to New York. Oh. That was like a big thing, driving to New York, doing sets, and then... Didn't you hang with Diaz and Ralphie and Jay Moore in that scene in LA, like 18 years ago or something? Uh, perhaps. Oh, yeah. Joey, I've always hung out with Joey. And Hope and Hedberg. Yeah. Wasn't that, were you in LA then or were you just rolling through? When I had the sitcom and the year after, oh, okay. I was what, 96, 97. And then I lived back there 2004, 2005, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I always hear stories about those times and your name sort of like, I, I feel like it's part, it's part of that I'm scene. Not... I just come in and out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've had a pretty good time, huh? Yeah. Life is good. So I'm, I'm glad to know that you're starting to get... Yeah. The international gigs and stuff. It feels great. Oh, so that first advice I got yeah. when I started the store, I got me through my first rut where all my bits were, just weren't going as well. All the room, you know, when it's an A plus room and you like you do an A plus set, you know, but like it was A plus rooms, I was having like B plus sets or B rooms and I was having C minus sets. In a room that's always killing. Yeah, just wherever they are, I was doing a little worse than I should based on how good that room is. And so I started asking people for advice. And Argus Hamilton told me, um, Maybe comedy's not my thing. Ha! Ah. Maybe I should just forget it. Thanks, uh, Argus. Yeah, that was good. Um, I asked a bunch of people. Wait, uh, let's pause for the collective Argus who? Oh, yeah. It's running <laughs> through people's minds. Yeah, I was like, what? I mean, even then, I was like, fuck you, man. I just started, but come on. 
But then, uh, yeah, Bob Oshak told me just to work through it. It just shit happens. You'll, you'll get over it. Um, Freddie Soto gave me some good advice. He was like, because I was like, I don't know, I've done these bits like 25, 30 times already. I'm getting kind of tired of them. He's like, no, bro, bro, fucking do it a thousand times. When you know every time your elbow goes up and every like every nuance, you can yeah. come in and out of a story really well because it's so natural. You'll do it that many times and then you can, you know, it'll be past ruts. And then Rogan actually gave me some good advice too. He was like, because you're getting better and you're stuck doing this material that you wrote 40% of your development ago, you know, even though it was a year ago, whatever, it was like, you were a way shittier comic back then. So now you're a better comic doing this shitty material that you could do then when you were shittier. He said he only did one joke from his first few years. Only, only, uh, only Arnold Schwarzenegger with the cucumber up his ass. Because <laughs> everything else he had to throw out eventually. So I was like, oh, all right. But what a what a transformation! That what the day you 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 realize on stage that you have self confidence. Yeah. And even if your material is you know uh, bland or whatever, it's, it's all confidence. It's, it's all totally different. I got made a non paid regular at the comedy store. It was just like we could do belly room spots occasionally for no money. And I just felt so good. I went into open mics around the city after that. And I was like, I'm Ari Shafir. I'm a non-paid regular. And I would just, I would just kill because I thought I was so fucking good. <laughs> Same shitty rooms. Yeah, and just do well because of that. It's all But, but, but you, huh? you started at the comedy store. Yeah. Aren't you from D.C.? I'm from Maryland, yeah, yeah. DC area. But so I what, didn't you, start you, there. You, I just graduated you, college and I said, let's... Where did you... So you, moved out, you moved out there? Yeah. Just to do comedy? Yeah. I was like, let me do something. I looked for a job. I didn't find a good job. You didn't have any connections. You had never done a set before. Uh -huh. I did one. Thing. One set. One set in Northern Virginia. Um, wore a three-piece suit. And you thought, I got this down. No, I just wanted to do it. I just yeah. wanted to try it. You know, here's, <laughs> here's what I was really scared of. I was really scared of being 35 with two kids. Yeah. And going, fuck, I wish I could have tried doing that. Mm. I really thought I could handle it if I was like, no, I tried. I wasn't good at it. Yeah. But man, not knowing would have bothered me. Uh, having a career sitting in a cubicle. Oh, yeah, uh, that, I, I mean, mean, those lights. I'd are, rather work in the toll booth. Yeah, I mean, at least you get <laughs> something. At least people are going by and going. Driver cab driver. Why you might get shot here? You get there. to look at the bridge the that they're paying for. Or something. Yeah, yeah, something. I would have done that. I would have just sort of office assistant. Ugh. What did you study to do? An English major. So you know nothing. What's, your favorite, what's your favorite book? I really like The Stranger a lot. Albert Camus. Killing an Arab. Yeah, yeah. Killing an Arab. Yeah, it's the cure guy killing an Arab for that book. Oh, that's right. That was that song, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Stranger on the Beach. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, that song uh, is from, that's, uh, what's his name? Robert Smith yeah. read The Stranger and wrote that book. Wow. Yeah, what a good book. Yeah, it's all about, like, not caring. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to give this emotion you want me to give just because I'm supposed to. I feel, uh -huh. Yeah, I loved it. He just liked sitting on the beach in in, uh, in Morocco or something. And he had this big job transfer to France. It's been a while since I wrote it, and everyone was like, "Oh, great, get to go to France." He goes, uh, "I like the, I like the beach." <laughs> just not too much you want. I like that. I like Catcher in the Rye a lot. Um, I just read The Road. Oh, the Kerouac. No wait. No, 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 not on the road. Oh, Cormac the... McCarthy. Is oh, Cormac like, McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. I've it's read that. like the Apocalypse or yeah. some version of it. I read that in Blood Meridian. It's Blood Meridian. Is that a good, good one? Book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't read much books anymore. Many books anymore. I was an English major. I read it all the time. I do. I'm constantly reading. Really? Shit. I got stuff backed up. Yeah. Uh, Good. Shit. What did I just finish? Um, I was in 
Uh, I, I, I got some uh, David Sedaris short story books. Oh, yeah, I read one I've of already those. read. Naked, I think. I got Naked and Dress Your Family in Corduroy for my wife because I've already read those and I love David Sedaris. But I found in, a, in Greece in a used bookstore yeah. uh, a, a short story book that David Sedaris compiled of, of his favorite short stories he liked. by other writers. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it's called uh, playing, uh, Children Playing Underneath a Statue of Hercules. Wow. Because he said that's how he felt underneath these, under these guys. Under these guys, these writers. Wow. Yeah. And he uses his name to get them more more sales or so whatever. exposure, yeah. yeah. I heard he, he, he writes his books, whatever, and then he goes on book tours and like reads them. Because he's not just an author. He's kind of like a comedian who reads it. Yeah, but then he works out new stories on stage while he's reading the old ones. So he reads you like five passages from his old book, hits you with one or two new ones that he's working on, sees the response, sees where it gets laughs, just like a comic, yeah. that hits you with a couple old ones, and then he goes home and he keeps working on those ones that he... He was trying. Well, he's got the live storyteller thing down, too. That's hard, too, to be funny on paper in short stories, the way he is. Yeah, you really get his and sense then, of, like, personality. Yeah, he's big dick rock. I like him. Uh, what's your favorite English word? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't like words like favorite. English. I don't like words like favorite. They're too exclusive. Discombobulated. I mean, what are some of them? Oh, yeah, that's I good. I mean, um, um, let's see. Ephemeral. I mean, I like solipsistic. Solipsism. Uh, what does it mean? It means the uh, the idea that um, you're the only thing that exists in the world. Everything that revolves around you. Solipsistic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is somnambulist? Somnambulist. Yeah. I don't know. What is that? It's a beautiful word. Somnambulist. Somnambulist. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> I'll look it up. I've seen it pop up in books. Somnambulist. Somnambulist. Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> you know, I was doing it for a long time. People use a word I didn't know. I would just like pretend I knew it. Uh huh. Uh huh. I just hope they didn't quiz me. I'm like, wait, you know what I just said? But now I just go, I don't know what that word means. It's a little embarrassing, but then it's it's easier. Well, everybody's got phones, you can whip shit out, yeah. but... Somnambulist. That's one of them. Do you know what that is? I don't. I want to look it Let's up. Let's plug it up on the phone. Yeah. There we go. It's quickly. I'll go to my Som Webster's Som app. I'm going to guess. I have no idea what it is. Somnambulist. Oh, you're never going to be able to spell it right. Som Somnambulant. Oh, wow. Somnambulantism. Som yeah. Somnambulant, walking or having the habit of walking while sleeping. Somnambulance. Oh, oh insomnia. Nice. Somnambulance. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a word I'm, yeah. I'm fond of. The Adderall stuff. Did you see Blue Jasmine? Yeah, I just saw it. Woody Allen's best film. Man, I mean, I haven't seen many of his films lately. I saw Vicky Cristina Barcelona. That was okay. But this one I kept thinking about later. And the way it's like, this chick just brought everything on, her, on herself. Totally. And you know what's amazing about that movie is that... You absolutely hate that bitch's guts at the beginning. Yeah. And have no sympathy for her. This rich bitch. And just heartless to her sister and all the shit. And then halfway through the film, you're like, you like care about, I, I cared yeah. about this woman. I like, I wanted it and to work out. And she betrays you too. At the, by but the end. that's how, what a, that's yeah. number one Kate Blanchett, the acting job. She yeah, she did great. On the bench but, the whole time where she's talking to old oh, people. She was, hel she was helpless. She was great. She did it so subtly too. Yeah, and it was like everything she said was a loser about everything everybody else. She was still in love with that with that husband. Yeah. She kept comparing everything to like, oh, when Hal did this, when Hal did that. It was like, what? He's an awful person. Yeah. You already said he's an awful person. Yeah. Cheated on you, 
fucking stole money from people. Yeah. But you keep comparing every other guy to like not as good as this awful guy. Wow. Saying everybody's a loser. But like, no, you had the loser. Yeah, it was a good movie. The climax of it, you know, yeah. uh, I don't care ruining it. I don't care either. Who's going to see it? It's a Woody Allen movie. All 19 people have already seen it. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that was the, the best Woody Allen movie ever. Yeah, that was great. Did you see Gravity? No. Yeah. How was that? I thought that was a damn good I flip. took Annie Hall in a, in a class once in college. They broke down how that was what everybody said was Woody Allen's first like serious movie. With he like so what was the film? What was the what was the breakdown? Well, it was just how like you could see in that movie how like when he when he was looking at her, Ashley got confidence. Like first he would demean her, you know, Annie Hall and stuff. Right, like, right. Ashley got confidence. Her shots would get clearer and clearer. Like when she was in, the, in singing and stuff in the beginning, yeah. when she didn't know what she was doing, it would be behind like pillars and stuff and it'd be out of focus. And then Ashley got like she was dumping Woody Allen, she got more confidence. It would just be right on her, and Woody Allen would be out of focus. Hmm. I don't know. I barely remember it, but do you remember um, uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, radio guy. Shit, Paul Harvey. Oh yeah, remember Paul that's Harvey? The rest and of that's the story. The rest of the I story. remember a little bit of those, a few of them. Maybe there were reruns. I don't even know. My dad used. To, I mean, it was always on, on AM, and my dad yeah. always was listening to AM on the road news. driving to California. I would listen to a lot of him, and every day he would come on on the on AM radio or on radio stations all over the United States, and yeah. and uh, give Paul Harvey's the rest of the story. Yes, yeah, and story. it was always this great story at the beginning, and then you and then it, it, he says who he's talking Later. about at the end. Yeah. So the whole time you're like guessing, and you're trying to put and together that, the clues. That forest ranger who chopped down trees and laid little square pegs, that was the inventor of Scrabble. Exactly. And that's the, the rest, rest of the story. story. Like, oh, man. Exactly. So yeah. he did one. The, one of the greatest ones I ever remember was uh, he told the story about this high school athlete yeah. who lettered in basketball and baseball and football, and he couldn't make up his mind whether he should take a scholarship in baseball or, or football. Yeah. And he was like a real uh, deadly hitter and uh, dangerous on the base path, lots of stolen bases. And uh, the end of the story, it's Woody Allen. Oh. Apparently, yeah. he was like a beast of an athlete in high school. Really? Wow, really? Yeah. I mean, baseball, what else? Juice can play basketball. Basketball, basketball, football, yeah. Wow. I heard he plays clarinet like every like once a week at some bar in New York. And it has for years. Really? Well, I heard he's trying to stand up again. He's about to. I heard he's about to. I heard he, he saw Mort Saul, and Mort Saul was the, the guy that got him into oh. it in the first place. And then he said he really likes Louis C.K.'s work. So, yeah, that's just come out What do you recently. think about that? I would love it. I mean, normally, when you see a guy take a lot of time off, you're like, well, this isn't going to be good. No, but he's been yeah. working, though. He's been working on creative things. There's always lots of jokes in the movies. Yeah. And his stand-up was brilliant. Yeah. And, and even for him to just... Um, I heard Woody Allen Comedian. It's one of the, the few albums I have on my, on my iPod. That's why I'm the, like, shit, the, come on. Uh, my favorite. Still funny. Um... When I was 20 and I moved to New York City, it was yeah. the worst year of my life. I was uh, just starving, living like a dog. Yeah. Couldn't get in anywhere. And um, Woody Allen is playing clarinet at this little tiny club. It's the same place he still plays today. And it was like 40 bucks to get in, which was a lot of money to me. I'm living in Washington Heights. Yeah. Oh, took, wow. Took the fucking train down. Yeah. I, I mean, this was, like, this was like, this was like, uh, you know, Jesus. three or four meals. Yeah, I had to pay, and then like whatever, a couple of 
drinks too in the clip joint that he plays in and uh, he played the clarinet the whole night and the whole night I just wanted to yell tell me a joke <laughs> you know, just one anything a knock knock joke yeah wow Woody Allen that's cool it was cool though he's pretty good on the clarinet I guess and he likes that it's that New Orleans he just likes playing right ragtime jazz far by my house I moved to New York did I tell you that yeah, yeah, you told me. Yeah. Now, how do you like it? You were talking about it in your show last night that it's pretty uh, cool. The, the, the weed is hard to find. Weed is awful there. I did your thing. I went to Cabo, and people were like, "How are we going to find weed?" My friends told me I should take weed into Cabo, Mexico, and I was like, "You want me to smuggle weed into Mexico, into it?" But they were like, "How are we going to find it?" I'm like, "We're going to find the statue, and we're going to stand by it. <laughs> we're going to find the statue in the town square. Follow the Jewish Orthodox yeah. guys. That's all I'm saying." And it was not a problem to find it. <laughs> by the way, we got offered like twenty thousand times. They're like, "Want to buy some pearls?" Like, "Oh no, how about weed? Coke, Coke, weed." You're like, Jesus, man. The Cabo Comedy Festival. Was, how was that? It was yeah, cool. It was pretty cool. Florentine was there. A bunch of guys were there. It was just relaxed. It's one of those free ones where you just go and everything's paid for, though. And the shows were good? No. Awful. Awful. At some bar. Oh, cool. But you're, like, hanging out. Yeah, and... but it was, like, 12 minutes and I'm there for four days. That's That great. was payment. It wasn't, like, a good show where I'm, like, I really want to do this, but fuck it. How has... On the beach. Uh, how has living in New York helped you as a comedian? Man, spots. Well, okay. One, okay. Well, a couple things. It's a shake-up. It's a lot of it. That's, that's sort of like, it was one of the reasons I went, but it wasn't like the main reason. I wanted to go because like when I'm not on the road, I want to do more spots. I want to work out more. Um, and so I'm doing that, you know, instead of getting like five or six in a week, you know, 15 minute spots, I'm doing like 12 or 15 and then having a couple days off, like go on dates or like go see shows or something. So the shakeup of new streets and new people, I didn't have any of the girls I, I sleep with. None of them are there. You know, so I had to like start over. How to, I don't, you know, it's like I don't know how to meet new people anymore. It just happens naturally. Then I needed to. So not having any of that, only having like two friends there, it was weird. It got me out of my shell a little bit. So that like shakes me up in terms of like thinking of stuff to say. That's like amazing. But the extra stage time has been crazy. Yeah, I get to work on a, on a joke where it's like if I have a new bit, I can go like, I did it once like five times in a row in a night and just like took the train and st started thinking about like, okay, this needs help in the middle there. And instead of waiting 24 hours, then you know how you forget. Yeah. And then you're, when you're on stage doing it, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I needed something here. Yeah. Instead you're like, well, what should it be? And you don't have something by the next set. And then you take the subway again, you think about it again for 20 minutes and you go on and you're like, oh, now I came up with something. All right. So now this other part needs a joke in there. And by the end of the night, it's better. Yeah. By the end of the night. It's like, oh, it's, cha it's a changed, better bit now. It's a more accelerated process yeah. of developing your material. Yeah, um, but I can see how it can easily fall into a habit of just like, all right, here's my, here's my jokes, here's my routine, and not working on anything. Right. You know? Uh, I, and uh, the second time I lived in New York was great. Because um, uh, you were more like established? 98, 99, I was established. Yeah. And then I got sets everywhere. Yeah. And I would... I was living in Wall Street. I would take the the one train all the way up to the the Upper West Side. Sweet start lift. at like the oh. um, come uh, stand up New York, York uh -huh. and then just bounce like a pinball all the way down, all the way down <laughs> Manhattan for the rest of the night. From and it's so exciting to go from stage to taxi to stage. Oh yeah, to it's taxi. exciting. There's something about and it. You're like, like oh my shit. god, and you're looking. You watch if this. I gotta know, go. I gotta go. You gotta call. The red light doesn't change. I'm gonna miss my set. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna be late. 
Uh, I keep looking at my maps thing on my phone. I'm like, fuck, fuck, we're 12 minutes. Right. I, I've got to be on in 11 really minutes. exciting, man. And then ending up at the comedy cellar at the end of the I night. I always see her picture where, down there in that hallway. It's nice to see her picture there. <laughs> so you're like, like a young man. You're like 26 there. Do you have long hair in that? No, I don't think. No, no, no. You got some sort of different hair. Maybe no, it was like... I was just, yeah. I was just younger. <laughs> yeah, it's cool to see. It's always there. Love yeah, the ending up at the cellar, right? The cellar's great. Yeah, and then all the best guys end up there at the end of the night. Yeah. And then it's like drinking until the wee hours. And the then... hotel's always there. They have weed that goes on now there. It's been a few years since I've been there. But, oh. I mean, I, I, I got it. it. It was really exciting living in New York. Yeah. For that reason. They have that shawarma place that's right next door. That, that place next door. That line, that place is fucking oh it's so good yeah and it's so fast you're like i'll take a shawarma extra spice whatever and you get your wallet and then it's there it's in front of you and you're like what yeah. but they make them all fresh they just have a line it's one of my favorite things in the world <sighs> so good and then the the, uh, the 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 comedy seller has a restaurant upstairs which also sells falafels and shawarma yeah i guess but when but i start like going nobody, there it, yeah when i start going there, i was way too poor to eat at that olive yeah, tree yeah so the, the the six bucks for the shawarma the 350 for the falafel whatever it is yeah. it's so cheap yeah and it's whatever so it was it's like yeah that i could yeah. afford there's a reason why there's a line and it's so cool there's just this tiny little it's a hole tiny little place and there's always a fucking yeah line. i love it yeah when you walk down the street you're like ooh, lining in the cellar like, yeah nope, when i lived shawarma, there man I was, I was living off those things yeah it's it good, good. So you, you, you like jazz? I didn't used to, but this up, upbeat kind of jazz is kind of yeah. nice. If I just sit there by myself, I still don't know how to meet strangers at bars. Well, you just you meet them at shows. That's why yeah, that's, why I develop this talent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's what who, I need to hear. Who wants to have sex with hear. someone who hasn't seen you? Yeah, your jokes exactly. and your routine. I have no chance. And then you're gonna explain your life to them. You're like, look, can you just yes. come to, Can you just come to a show? Yeah. You know, it's like well, then we can start from a five at least. Oh man. Yeah, I, exactly. I, Thank you. That's what it yeah. is. Don't don't worry about not being good at it. There's no reason to be good at it. it don't be ashamed of it. Yeah, Michael Jordan doesn't know, doesn't know how to make a basketball because he doesn't have to. <laughs> He's past that stage. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for clapping along, too. They were mocking me, so I appreciate you guys getting into that. That's wonderful. I am Jewish. I don't know if you guys could tell from... This is pretty much what they look like, you guys. I don't know if you've ever seen one in a movie or a magazine before, but it looks like this. Here's what Jewish girls look like, by the way. Ready? Bam! Same thing. They're, they're hideous. They're like negative two times Brazil. They're just a lot of gross. And my mom wants me to date him, too. She's like, date a nice Jewish girl. Date a nice Jewish girl. I'm like, I'd rather just masturbate in front of the mirror. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I'll paint my fingernails, look like a hand job. You know, like, who's that? Who's that? Could be anybody. To be Angelina Jolie. I don't know. Okay, go back to Brad. I know you love me. <laughs> Whistle. That guy's seen a Jewish girl before. And they're not, they're not all ugly. There's exceptions to the rule. Like, every rule has exceptions, you know? Like, no matter what the rule. Like, I'm sure there were gay Vikings. That's just not what we think of when we think of Vikings. You know, like, ooh, let's go pillage. Okay, you're not invited anymore, Sven. You're raping the wrong people. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm in a good mood. I just passed one of the biggest tests of my life, my, uh, my STD test. <laughs> you guys ever passed one of those? Woohoo! It's a good feeling. I was worried this time, too, because I had an ingrown hair on my fucking junk. 
I, here's the deal. I shaved, whatever. Every once in a while, like once a year, I shave. And it feels fucking wonderful, by the way. I'm not going to apologize for it. After I shave my balls, I just have my hand inside my pants all day long, going, oh, this feels so fucking good. It's so smooth and awesome. I can't stop feeling my balls. People ask me what time it is. I'm like, oh, fucking... 2.45. And I was really feeling my balls there, by the way. That, was no, that wasn't an act out. I was fucking fondling them and getting a little hard. Looking at you. I'm just kidding. All right, that was weird. Here's a guy. But here's what I was worried. I got this ingrown hair on there. And I've never seen an ingrown hair before. But over here, it looks like a zit. No big deal. Here, herpes. Like, I was positive that's what I was. I had no idea. Because I've made mistakes. We've all done bad shit before. I was in Dallas. I had sex with this girl. And I had a condom fall off. Does that ever happen to you guys? Me neither. Uh, but in the short story I'm writing about this guy had a condom fall off. It's, it's a fantasy. It'll never happen in real life. But uh, his name is Ari in the short story, just like me. So, um... <laughs> It wasn't my fault. I have one of those, like, 70% boners. You ever get one of those? It's like, not all, I'm a little drunk. She's a little fat. You know, it's... 70% is not bad. You can still squeeze the base and get it all the way. You know that move? <laughs> We're like, oh, no, what are we going to drop? Totally cool. Totally cool. But what about, what about what? There's no problem here. I don't... Why don't I teach you that in sex ed? I don't care what your ovaries are attached to. I'll never need to learn that. Teach me the move where it looks like I'm squeezing a half-empty toothpaste container. Yeah, teach me that move. That's something I can use. So anyway, when I was squeezing it, I was basing up. I just went right back down again. So the condom wasn't really on there very tight. It was more like a, like a sandwich bag. You know, just kind of resting around there. So at some point, I'm having sex, it starts to feel really good, and the boner just goes all the way up. And I'm like, that's awful weird. Oh, the condom's gone. That's the only answer, because condoms fucking suck. I don't know, most guys in here have worn a condom before. You girls have no idea. They feel t Here's what it feels like. Imagine in January, where you're driving your car here, where it's fucking freezing. And you're driving along, and your gloves aren't because it's so cold, right? So you're driving along, you pull over to a meter, and you gotta put change in the meter. So you reach into your pocket to get some change. But you got these big fucking gloves on. So you reach in there and you kind of feel like a quarter and a nickel in there, but you, you can't quite feel which one's which, you know what I mean? It might be a book of matches or your cell phone. So you try reaching harder and faster and you kill, can't feel a goddamn thing. That's what fucking with the condom is like. It's a lot like that. You're like, I don't know, I guess I'm fucking, I'll take your word for it, but I don't know if I can see anything. This is ridiculous. Oh, the shadow's having a good time. Maybe I'm having sex. This blows. <sighs> anyway, so this condom fell off. And I probably should have stopped right there and gotten another condom. But my thought process is like, if she's got something, I've already got it. <laughs> What's done is done. Yeah, I may as well enjoy my last hurrah, you know what I mean? <laughs> It's like when you come back to your car and you find there's a ticket on there. You don't pull the ticket off and then put more money in the meter. No, you, you paid for the parking spot for the day. <laughs> the worst part about that, by the way, so we finished having sex, I just pulled out or something, and she went to take the shower, and then I'm start looking for the, for the condom, and I can't find it. I start looking under the bedspread, under the pillows, it's nowhere. I'm like, this is a fucking mystery. And then from the shower, I just hear the girl go, what the, ew. 
Mystery solved. Mystery solved. Scooby snacks for everyone. That has got to be the worst shower you could ever take. And I heard you in the red moan about that, so I'm sure that's happened to you at some point. When you got a fucking condom up your vagina. She knew ahead of everybody else. She's like, oh, that's happened to me many times. I fucking... <laughs> I fuck half-hard guys all the time. That shit falls right off. It's got to be the worst shower ever. You're like, we just made love. That was beautiful and awesome. And then... It runs away in my imagination. It runs away like, a, like the alien, you know, from the movie Alien. <laughs> I like you. You're pretty, girl in red. You got the, what's it called? I love, too. You're my type. You got the fucking uh, vagina, I think it's called. That's, um, that's my, I don't know what you guys are going to do, but it's kind of my thing. You got to have that or I'm out. It's my rule. That's my favorite question. What's your type? My other favorite question is, what's your favorite position? And I'm always like, mm, inside you? Is that a, is that a position? Because that's my favorite. I don't. I don't really care which direction you're facing. I'm not looking to feng shui my apartment. I just want to fuck, so... You line up and get comfortable, and I'll find a way in from there. How about we do that? That's totally cool with me. And I don't really need to be inside you. I'll fuck your knee if I can find an angle on it. I'm not proud, you know what I mean? Put some, like, weird, like, jujitsu hold on it here, and, like, rub it up and down. <laughs> do you like, you like that? Is that good? Yes, it is. It's real, you get really good knee. I'm not saying as a first choice, I don't want the knee. I'm saying if that's all that was available, I would take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if you're trying on a date, she's like, no, no. And I'm not blowing you, I don't know you well enough. I said, no. But you keep trying and eventually she's like, oh, fine. If you want, you can fuck my knee. <laughs> I'd be like, bring it out, bitch, let's do this shit. That knee's not gonna fuck itself. Let's make this thing happen. People like you. Some people go, "Oh, I wouldn't date another comedian or something like that." It's I like what I do all the time. Who the fuck do you, who are you hanging out with? Yeah, that's who you hang out with all the time. These are great. Oh yeah, I hate that when girls goes, "Oh, I don't date comics." I'm like, what? "Why? Who? Who'd you? Who fucked it up for all of us?" Tell me his name because I'll tell you if that's a real comedian. I've had that a bunch. We're like, "Well, this guy." I'm like, "No, no, no. None of us respect him. That's a douchebag. That's not, you don't write us all off because of that guy." I've had that so many times. Those are douchebags. You ever date comics? I've dated a few comedians. I mean, like, yeah. secretly. I didn't, you know, it was... Yeah, it was like in the scene. Uh, I think uh, you know, a gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. Yeah. But, uh, and that's the coolest thing. And when you got, like, a covert lover uh, comedian yeah. and you got something going on. Because, you know, comedians talk, little petty bastards talking shit and people yeah, saying That's the only things. reason. Cause so girls... that's the, you know, that's the reason to keep it. Uh, but it's cool when you got, like, a little you have something uh, in secret common. agent... Uh, lover thing happening, yeah. you know? Yeah, and they can tell you the trash they heard about you <laughs> when you're around. Well, and, and, stuff. and also, you know, so you guys said something in common. You're like, oh, how was that room tonight? And they're like, oh, it's terrible. That guy's a terrible host. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You just know what to talk about instead of their job that you don't know anything about. Well, and then there's the others. There's the other. Deal. I, I was dating a, a, a younger comedian woman, uh, yeah. and she was flipping out about. Uh, open mic nights, just way too stressed out about it. It's like you know, it's a and you want to be like fucking coffee right. shop in Brooklyn. Relax, relax. it's not yeah. it's not tonight show. Relax. <laughs> Ralphie told me that once when I started. I was like a year in, and he goes, he asked me how long it was. I told a year or two, whatever. He goes, oh, that's when it's just fun. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's horrible every night. <laughs> but I get it later. He meant like, no, no, it's just for fun. Like, just enjoy yourself. Yeah, man, you're having a good time. 
nobody's worried about if this material is good for whatever show or somebody saying you walk two people who can't have you back next year or yeah, anything. It's yeah. just for the joy of a joke. Well, you got yeah. you got you got a, a real storytelling style, and then you pepper it up with different yeah. Well, I started doing that storytelling show a few years ago, and so I started getting better at it. It's weird how once you tackle something for a while. Did you plan on going more story? Uh uh-uh. so- I, I had I was at Eric Abrams' house. He used to book the improv or the side room at the. Oh improv. yeah, I remember Eric. Yeah, cool guy. He used to work for Joel for a while, and then he just when Joel was supposed to help take over the improv, he just left him there. He moved there. He's become a good friend. But I was at his house for Thanksgiving. He was telling me some some mushroom story, and I was telling him some mushroom story. And then I was like, "Hey, man!" And I don't have any confidence in my ability to get people to come to a show. But I'm like, in that small room with the side of the improv, it's gone now. It was like a 40 person room. But I was like, "Can we just do a show in there where a bunch of comics tell mushroom stories?" Like, I know that'd be a good show. Can we just do that? And then he was like, "Yeah," but he wanted to change his psychedelic stories. So we did me Diaz. This guy, Dan Madonia, this new guy, Marin did one, Steve Agee. I remember you called me and asked me yeah. if I, if I, yeah, because we had another drug tell some drug stories. Yeah, you were gone the first couple of times, but I always was like, I knew if I, certain topics. So it started mainly to do the drug stories. Yeah, but no, just the once. And then I was like, let's do it again. That was fun as shit. And then you started doing different themes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So and what's, what, 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 what theme has brought out the most, uh, uh, funny stories? Uh, the fights were really interesting. People like remember all their fights they got into. Heartbreak was a good one. Mm. Yeah, a lot of good, Jonah Ray told a really good story from yeah. Heartbreak. Sort of Marin. That was what usually I ask people. I'm like, hey, do you have any stories about? Let's just say it's about like sports. I'm like, do you have any stories about sports? And sometimes I'd be like, mm, maybe or no. But with certain people, like with you with drugs or travel, I'm like, hey, <laughs> are you available? You know, it's like, you don't have to ask. <laughs> with Fitzsimmons, with fight stories, it was the same thing. Are you available? And so I was with Marin with that heartbreak stuff. I'm like, are you around on the 23rd? <laughs> it's the go-to guy yeah. for certain, certain yeah. topics. Exactly. Yeah. Other people may or may not, but it's, it's a question. It's up in the air. Yeah. But then I started getting better because I ran out of like good stories that I had. So I just had to like, think of stuff that happened and like organize it into a you know into a funny like plot driven manner well that the, the, the show is it is it is it only online that um for now they're talking about doing it on tv but man I, that's the way it's filmed perfect is gorgeous thanks dude i love oh it oh my god i don't know if it's like 5d or what they're using that's jeff tomzik he's just a cool young director uh, and, and what's the name of the show? This is not happening. If you go on YouTube, go. This is not happening. There's just a bunch of stories up there. You can see yeah. them and then uh, enjoy the next. Yeah. We just shot some more. Joey Diaz did another one. Rogan. God, Butner. they're beautiful. Yeah, they're really cool. And it's just people going like, no standards. At first, they were like, oh, should we should see people's stories. Um, Comedy Central said that because they paid for it. And I was like, why? Just let them do what they want. They're all comics. They know it's going to be recorded. So they wanted to clear the stories. Yeah, I'm like, clear oh. for what? The internet? There's no rules at all, man. We're right. like, well, we got to see how long it is. Why? No rules. And they were like, you know what? You're right. Just let it go. I'm like, yeah, just let it go. That's what I tell people when I was doing the show for two years. I'm like, do five to 15, whatever feels right. When you're done with your story, get off. I'm not going to light you. You know how long your story lasts. (laughs) Some stories are shorter. 
Yeah, and so it's great. People just do whatever they want. It's shot. It looks really cool. What's the, and what's this strip club that it's filming? Cheetahs. You ever Cheetahs. go down there? Uh, I went there. I went there in the yeah. past. Yeah, it's all right to hang yeah. out there, and have a beer. It's not too much like they're they're not too in your face with lap dances. Yeah, and it's a uh, it, it, it's convenient to, to park around there. Oh yeah, where, yeah. Where it's, it's pretty at. wide open. I mean, there's been times uh-huh. where like uh, years past, oh, I want to grab a beer. Yeah, fucking yeah, it's see easy some to girls. Pop in. Wacko's right across the street. It's already closed at that point. <laughs> the Salvation Army. So you're uh, fine. Remember the Jumbo's Clown Room? Yeah, that was a cool place. Uh, my friend. That was disgusting. Did huh? you know Ingayo? Ingayo Bialo. Bealum. Yeah, Bealum. Yeah. He had a band. It was like a hip hop band, and they 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 filmed in there once. It looked really cool because there's a strip club and the the mirrors and everything. Yeah. Um, but it was just music. Oh yeah, they did weird stuff there. But the, 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 the you know, like I said, I mean, the ambiance of a of a, of a dark strip club. Well, that's what we did. In the Montreal. way you, the way your your thing is shot, man, is it looks it looks breathtaking. That's what we did in Montreal. Maybe it was the year I met you. No, it wasn't that year. It was two years after that. But we did uh, we did them in a strip club at, at at that place across from Club Soda. That's where Robbie put a bunch of shows. Fuck, I forgot the name of it. But it's on that corner, that tranny strip club. But it was upstairs. It had that vibe, and you walk up the steps to see the pictures of the strippers, and you're like, "This is dark," and the cigarettes. You get a vibe of like, "All right, I'm ready for shit," <laughs> you know? So yeah, we we found there to film it. It was great. Let's open up. Yeah, that's great. You've done uh, the show once in Moon I did Tower. It at Moon Tower in Austin. Yeah, yeah I loved it. Yeah. Did you drink? Started getting drunker and drunker. You're like, come on, man, I gotta get back. <laughs> Let's go. What happened? It was like lasting long. You're like, come on, last call's coming up. Get Dom off the stage. Get me on. Let's go. <laughs> That's your fun. That was great. I was happy to tell my Puerto Rican lesbian stripper story. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'd job. love to do it on your on your on your yeah. show, man. Yeah, I'll see how we do the next ones. But they're great. They're great little clips, and they stand alone. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to get you on there for one. Well, you know, and so many, uh, like, Irish comedians that I've, I've interviewed and, and talked to, you know, and, and different people, it's the, it's the story. And you think of it with movies and books, I mean, it's the story. There's a power yeah. in stories. And, you know, like Native Americans and their songs. And, yeah, it's a weird I mean, everything form. is a story. I saw Ralphie do this once in a, in, a, in a show at the store when I was doing the cover booth. There was some shitty crowd that nobody was real doing well. There's 40 people there, but they weren't good. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do material for you. And he just told some story about meeting Kinnison in, in somewhere. He won a contest as a 17-year-old, and he got the winner got to open for Kinnison. He was doing a bunch of lines when he met him. And he was like, oh. And Kinnison offered him some. And he's like, oh, no thanks. I don't know. <laughs> he just all weirded out. By, and everyone was on the edge of their seat. It wasn't even as like a laugh, laugh, laugh. But, man, right. they were into it. Right. The power of the yeah. real story. So yeah. I mean, just so just just what you're doing and capturing these comedian stories. Yeah. I mean, and they're good at telling it. They know how to entertain. So you have every dipshit has a story at a party they can tell once in a while. Yeah. When it's uh, like, I, I've worked with Julia Lillis. Yeah, she and did. I saw her story. She tells about going to England. This guy yeah. broken up with her, and then she flies over there, and oh like, my God, you know, right. but she that's one of the ones that I'd already heard her that story from a party from a Halloween party like well, years before. And so I was like, let's not get Julie Lillis. Let's get that story. Let's get Julie Lillis to come tell that story. Right. You know, I'm like, I know it's a good story. But I mean, everybody's got some. Yeah. I mean, it reminded me of like crazy stories Mm -hmm. in my life and like risks you've taken for love. Yeah. uh, It's fun to watch the shows. I sit down, I do my story, and then I watch five, four, five, six comics tell really cool stories. They're fun to watch. 
And it reminds, right, it reminds you of stuff. I think you, you've locked into the essence of everything. I mean, look, and even the religious books, man, it's stories. Yeah. Uh-huh. Everything's a story. And like that thing Stan Hope always says, it doesn't matter uh, what you did as long as you got a story out of it. You know, as far what as getting, about getting fucked up and uh, uh, having shame over as certain actions. Story of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, later the you should gone. never feel guilty over anything. Yeah. It, 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 as long <laughs> right. as you got a story out of it. Yeah, exactly. You got to say you got something in return. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And when you've healed, when the emotions have gone away, you're like, oh, well, at least that was pretty shitty of me. That's fun. Yeah. My friends found this love letter, this, these comics. This guy, Luis Gomez, wrote this love letter like five years before this girl he broke up with, and he found it. And him and his friends all read it on a podcast or something and just laughed at him. What a, what a fucking pussy he was. He tried to like rhyme and it was so bad. And it was like at the time he was so heartbroken, but now he could just laugh at it. He was like, yeah, <laughs> we have a story now. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking through old diaries of mine. Really? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. to see I, what you I, were I, I, I kept diaries when I had the late night talk show in Amsterdam and I was going through this breakup with this girl and I, I, I kept uh, yeah. uh, a diary when I did my sitcom and then... So you read them and see how I mean, like, I haven't looked at them in years. That's great. So I'm trying to like uh, pull together all these writings, and um, and 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 wow, you look at like you know who you were fucked up over over back then, some yeah. chick, and you were thought this could never the heartbreak could never be as bad as that again. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. and then you know uh, my <laughs> and then you have like family that you love die, and you realize those fucking. Heartbreak things were. And like, you probably haven't even thought about them that much. Anymore. You were like those. You were, that that wasn't pain. I thought that was pain when it was happening. Yeah, that was fucking. Oh, like, that wasn't heartbreak. Dies that wasn't heartbreak. Do you want to go uh, back and tell yourself things when you read those? No, I mean it's. I'm glad that I was so honest and poured it all yeah, out. And there's cool. no way I could have remembered all these details. And then there's happy, great things uh, that that I've read, and then and then uh, complete zeniths. Of happiness and 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 having a great love with a girl or wonderful things going on with yeah, career or family. I mean, so it's really interesting. I'm glad that I've kept these books. So you should publish those with your um, with your thoughts on them now. Like well, thoughts of a life. I'm trying to write a book. Oh, you are. Yeah, but that's cool to be able to to tell. So, like, because now you have more insight on the people, on situations in general, on life in general, and so you can be able to like say like, well, clearly, this is what I was feeling. And then tell me like why I was an idiot or why I was smart or why what I was going through and yeah that'd be a great thing to read yeah and then but I mean these are your thoughts they're not just like remember what it was like back then because right. you don't remember but right. you do yeah. remember yeah yeah and then uh, and then all these all these stories that I I have you yeah. know about things that happened to me like the after the sitcom in that really low period of my life where that story about the Puerto Rican lesbian strippers and I was going to see the Dalai Lama yeah and um, Central Park give a speech on happiness. And I ended up with these oh, yeah. Puerto Rican lesbian strippers. And we did ecstasy. And we ended up in my bed. And, Missing the fun. And I overslept and I missed <laughs> oh, yeah. the Dalai Lama. <laughs> so you found light in your way. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I, I got to figure out a way to let people go like completely free. Because the stuff we talk about is horrible things. We talk about them in nice, fun ways and we can justify them because we're comics. But like, they're really... Drug use and hookers and fucking, you know, like horrible stuff. So you gotta be like, you can't tell anybody what to say. It's not like, it's not like they're writing something. This is just shit that happened. Right. 
Yeah, so with that and time, once I figure that out, then yeah, I guess we'll do it as a series. You think you're going to keep filming them in that in the cheetah Maybe, titty bar? or mix it up. Yeah, I mean, is that, that's I mean, perfect. that place in Montreal is pretty cool, too. If I would do a couple more at that place in Montreal. So do it in seedy places. Seedy places, yeah, but it looks good on camera. Right. You know? Just looks chill. I don't like the bright, I don't like that aesthetic of like a bright, glossy, those, those specials for the yeah. longest time. It's so grand. I'm like, that ain't comedy. Yeah. I mean, that's comedy here or there. That's Dane Cook comedy. You know, and Tosh, but that ain't normal people's comedy. It's dark. Right. You know, people should be smoking. <laughs> it seems people much. should be smoking. I always thought it, it, comedy was like a place where adults went to have uh, an adult beverage yeah. in a dark room and talk about things that aren't uh, polite. Yeah, exactly. What you speak heavy. about? Don't worry, nobody's going to talk about me in, here. In, in, uh, yeah, company. remember Raging Bull when he's doing comedy there at the end when he's trying to do like that Catskills type comedy? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it's like that's what it is. Just a bunch of old men in suits, smoking cigars, and, <laughs> and just like, yeah, quietly listening. Uh. How did your special go? The, 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 I mean, as far Chilling. as like selling it. It's just about at made up its money. Yeah. With like the the way they coupled it with like T-shirts and, and and posters and shit to help pay for production costs. You know, I'm not the biggest draw in the world, but it was just enough. Your your steam your train is is gathering steam, yeah, baby. Yeah, I That's like why it. it's oh, yeah. exciting right now. I you're really little, like it. you know, it's like the the movie shot yeah. of the train and the the wheels are starting to yeah, chug yeah, and yeah. the fucking steam. I have no complaints. Yeah. But the thing is, I got to do a special with nobody telling me. Well, we try to change this to this. There was nothing. It was just me. I'm super stoked on that. I'm I'm proud of that thing. I'm like, this is, yeah, look at it. There's no part of me that's like, I wish I could have done it this way, but I had to listen to somebody. Where did you film it? Did you film at, it in a club? A knitting factory, a rock club in, oh, in yeah. Brooklyn. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it looked the way I wanted to and got... I, I like the, 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 I like specials being shot in, in little smaller clubs. Yeah, me Better too. than the big theater. It's more intimate. And it's like, you, the people, it's not done in a vacuum. We're not just delivering lines. We're comics who feed off crowds. Yeah. So if it's not going well, it won't look good. You can't add in a laugh track. It might sound like it's going well, but it'll look bad. Right. Yeah, make it in an intimate, fun place. And what would you rather do? A 2,000-seater? Money's the same. We're paying you $500. A 2,000-seater or a 200-seater? They're both full. I mean, I'd rather do the 200-seater. I don't know. My Caparillo said different. Caparillo was like, no, I'd rather do the big club, big theater. But not me. I'd always rather do... Comedy club, Denver comedy. Well, I mean, I've done clubs my whole life. I mean, it would be nice to go to a little higher. Right here, there. Not, not big arenas and shit, but, you know, uh, theater shows are cool, but I agree with you. But as far as, as, far as filming goes, always oh, going to look better in a club. Yeah. And the clubs are... Right on top of the people. The clubs is where the real shit happens. Yeah. You know? Uh, and that's where you keep your, your, your comedy muscles sharp. Yeah, that's where all the CDs are, are taped. Right. Right? Pretty much all of them. Uh, you did a really cool thing last night of your show. You said at the end, email me jewcomic at gmail dot com, <laughs> yeah. and I'll send I'll send you my special my new my CD. CD. Yeah, so audio for free. For free, just have it here. Genius move, because then you can collect. Yeah, email I got the email. I just say just tell me that you're from San Francisco. So I told them out in San Francisco. If you're listening at home, just tell me where you are. I'm only going to tell you when I'm there. That's fucking a genius. So if you write, if you write whatever Reno or not Reno, say whatever, someplace. So is it easy for you to keep track of yeah, the, the, the files? Yeah, and, and Justin keeps track of that, 
And then when, before I'm going to go to Kansas City, I'm like, how many emails do we have in Kansas City? And then three days before, I was like, hey, guys, what's up? Or I'm back. I got a new hour. Um, you had a good time last time. If, if you enjoyed my CD, which you probably will, but just hear shit. Most comics, if you hear their shit, you're like, oh, you're really good. Yeah. So just hear it. And then, like, I'll just tell you, I'm back. <laughs> you want to come again? I went to see The Flaming Lips. This is when it got through to me. I went to see The Flaming Lips with Jeff Ross in Montreal. He knew the lead singer. And he was doing my storyteller show last night uh, upstairs at that Cle Cleopatra. That's the name of the place. The Tranny Strip Club. It's upstairs at Cleopatra. And I saw Russell Peters. He had some line. There was a tranny waitress walking by me as he delivers a line. I pulled my dick out of her ass and it looked like it had Oreo cookie crumbled all over it. <laughs> and this tranny, this tranny waitress just stops and goes, ooh, and then keeps walking. And I was like, I love this show. But, but, um, but wait, why did I mention Montreal? For the oh, Jeff Ross. So we yeah. were in there. We ran into the lead singer was just there, and they knew each other from somewhere. And he goes, Jeff? He goes, oh, what? So he said, I'm, I'm here doing, doing playing tomorrow. You want to come? So we just stayed an extra day. We went and saw the Flaming Lips, and they were fucking tremendous. If you ever get a chance to see them, that's a great live band. You told me about them before. I love it. I just got tickets for October 29th. What's their best album, your favorite album? The Soft Bulletin is really good. It's really good. And they'll play that start to finish sometimes. They play the dark side sometimes, dark side of the moon. They're a live band, and it's all about colors and confetti and fucking <laughs> lasers, and you're just gonna have a great take some ecstasy. Take some. I asked that guy, man, what's your deal, man? Mushrooms? Nope. Just take some ecstasy, some MDMA or whatever. Who's your lead singer looking, guy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're the one you met. Yeah. So he's not on it. He's so full of love and everything. Wow. Oh, it's so great. I cried like three times in that thing. Anyway. <laughs> So then I was like, I'm never going to miss them again. Have I told you this? You told me how much you liked them before. You told me a yeah. story about uh, going to the concert in New York. Yeah, well, I couldn't go. I was going to. Mm -hmm. I couldn't go because we were filming those other st storyteller shows. I had to miss it. So now I'm going in L.A., but that's okay. But I said I'm never going to miss them after Montreal. I was like, uh, and then I realized six months went by, and I didn't even go to their website. And they could have played in L.A., and I would have missed it. So I'm like, how do you fucking reach those people who definitely would come? Who would be like, I'll never miss a fucking show. Right. And then they just don't know that you're right, right next door. Wow. So here, just give me your email. I won't bug you. Wow. That's And they listen to your, your CD. Yeah, and you listen to my Take it. I did it. I'm not doing that material wow. anymore. Uh, don't let it die. Listen to it. Don't wow. let it die. So you consciously like make an hour and then get rid of it and then yeah. move on to the next hour? I'm trying it. I'm trying it. I heard Louis say it once. I heard Bill Burr say it once. They're like, if you just do it, if you just try it, nothing will hold you back. And I was, I was going nowhere, and I'm like, well, fuck it. Let me just try it. But I'm just holding it back because I'm like, well, Louie can do it on TV every year. I can't do that. And I came with a few other excuses, but I'm like, well, they're just excuses. They're not really. I'm like, it's a difference. <laughs> Who cares? You're not even able to work for 1200 bucks at a club. No one's hiring you. So fuck it. As an exercise, just try it. So I don't know. This is the second year. So I CD, then a year later, I'll, I'm in special. And now... I don't know. I'll try it again. It's nice. all new stuff. Oh, it's hard at the beginning. It's hard as fuck. But then when Bill Burr broke it down, it's five minutes a month. That's what he said a new hour is in a year. Wow. Five minutes a month. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's embarrassing, right? That's great. Fuck. Five minutes a month. I was good. I was good enough to do that two years in. Yeah. Five minutes a That's month. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. And then I just kept the pace. 
was like, all right, after one month, I need five minutes. I think I had four after one month. I think I had 11 after two months. I was like, okay, I'm good. Well, and uh, it seems like uh, all of us, you know, like I, I, I love, I, I, I'm, I've only been on uh, the Joe Rogan experience, I think, two or three times. Yeah. You guys have got to. People like you, though, those guys outside, because I handed, I started hitting my joints. Yeah. The guy didn't see you. We just saw yeah. a guy in black on, a, on on his right. Yeah. So we kind of took it. I, I see that look, and I was like, oh, it's Tom Rhodes. And he looks up and goes, oh, man, it is Tom Rhodes. <laughs> and you the joint. I love it, man. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you guys have, you guys are more in the mix. I mean, I'm just getting a, a small taste of it, but, like, I love getting tweets with Death Squad. <laughs> and then, like, people will show up and they'll tell me they're Death Squad. They're rabbit And fans. it feels like I'm in this... Uh, Private uh, exclusive club of like fighter pilots or something, man. <laughs> All the comedy clubs. I love the, the the fucking Joe Rogan team, man. It's at, so that, great. at the stand, that club I do a lot in New York. I think my yeah. main like my home club in New York. It's uh the people working the door there. They go, "What's that club?" When people always ask when they come in, like, Death Squad. They're like, "Yeah, what what is that?" I'm like, "I don't really know, man." Hilarious. <laughs> They'll say it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And you and Joey and uh, yeah. just uh, you know Duncan Kreischer. Whoever, Alan, you, everybody. Yeah, it's all just a bunch of good, fun people. And but that's that, thank you. My point was that like, and all of the guys mentioned here are very uh, men of the times right now. We've all got our own podcast. Yeah, we're all doing multimedia stuff and yeah. uh, being creative and our own little one man uh, comedy. Empire. DIY, bro. It's fucking beautiful. I don't need a hundred grand a week to do a sitcom. Yeah. If I get ten grand a week, which I don't, but if I get ten grand a week to do whatever, I'm way out of the curve. If I get two grand a week, that'd be living a dream. If I even make two grand a week, that's a hundred grand a year. Man, that's not that much. You don't need a hundred thousand dollar a week sitcom job, and you can do whatever you want. Yeah. You can drop an n bomb once in a while. You don't have to apologize to anybody. <laughs> Say no, fuck you. It was right for the joke. <laughs> Sarah Silverman had to apologize for using chink. Remember that? <coughs> did she? Yeah. And they made her apologize, and she did. She should not have apologized. Yeah, I don't like when comedians apologize. It's like, you know you didn't do anything wrong. It's a joke about racism. Oh, getting out of jury duty. It was that joke. I was trying to get out of jury duty, so I should say... I want to say something racial, but I didn't want to use. I don't use the word. I like that yeah. you do. You know, you do a lot of stuff against bureaucracy and uh, your annoyances. Yeah, I hate it. Uh, the thing about the TSA, <laughs> they got no power. They have no real they have power. No, they have no real power. Uh-uh. And then you can say whatever you want. <laughs> Watch go fuck yourself. <laughs> I love the thing he said about that in Asian, some Asian cultures, it's like the ultimate <laughs> insult to touch another man's shoes. Yeah. And you're like, as the guy's checking out your feet, you're like, aren't you ashamed? <laughs> Wouldn't your father be embarrassed about <laughs> it? <of> you? <laughs> so you know, yeah. Be little in the guy. Fuck them. <laughs> Everyone says it's just their judges doing their jobs. No, <laughs> fuck that. Don't do that job. You're fucking with people. Get off me. I love that. Hey, man, one other thing I want to ask you is yeah. you, don't like, you, don't, you don't like Bill Hicks. No. You don't I'm like, sorry. You you're a never, guy. You said he never. He I'm, never made me laugh. <laughs> never. And everyone's like, have you seen this clip? I'm like, yes. 80 times. Y'all, he's dead. All the clips are the clips. I've seen them. Everyone says, what about this? I've given him 100 chances. 100 chances. And every time somebody says, what about this line? I'm like, well, that's a funny line. Show me where he said it. And he does. And I'm like, well, he doesn't even do it good. Oh, my God. Hardwick sent me a line. He goes, what about oh. this? He goes, fucking a young girl is like, <laughs> he goes, a young girl's vagina is like a paper cut over a tuft of cotton candy or something like that. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. The way he says it, it's just not good. He's always sm 
Smoke. I don't. It's not funny. There's no laughs in those clips. It's just like well said. He's Henry Rollins. That's all he is. He's Henry Rollins, man. After the fucking. Now I heard LeBeau say that he used to be really good when he did impressions and shit. No, before on. he got dark. And I can believe that because he left the comedy behind. I'm not kidding. But here's the deal. That's fine if you want to do socially conscious shit. Stanhope does that. But he does his fucking job as a comic, and he gets laughs. You do it. You get you get fucking laughs while you do it. You don't just go off on a tangent and preach for twenty minutes. Right, but that's it's so few laughs. That's hilarious, man. I mean, you listen to the Lenny Bruce albums; they're not that funny. Well, they had stated, especially like after he started getting busted and he did these long things. Then he was but, just cursing for the sake of cursing. But Bill Hicks I, is one of my my patron saints. Of, Everybody says that you and, can't touch him. And and you, can, I saw you send a tweet to somebody. They asked you. Uh, they mentioned that you didn't like Bill Hicks, and you said no. Or, or like, I'll go on the record. I don't. I take said, so much abuse I for it. You said, uh, "Has he released some new stuff so I, <laughs> so I can give him another chance?" Like, oh, I couldn't. I'm willing. I'm willing. If you were like, "Oh, that guy's improved," I'll look at him again. I'm like, I couldn't believe you're going to eviscerate Bill Hicks. Fuck him. Yeah. He's smoking in his headshot. That wasn't a, That wasn't an impromptu shot. He was like, "Oh, you know what? Hold on. Before I do this picture." Let me smoke a cigarette. That'll make me look. In the cool. '80s, a lot of people smoked. Yeah, you know? but yeah, after these, I think Hicks. I think Hicks was funny, and then he got dark, and people said he was a funny guy, and then they just assumed he was funny, even when he was dark and not funny anymore. I think and he took it to a whole new level. I think the guy was a prophet, man. I think he was. A that's prophet, what everybody you know? says, and that's cool. I, I, I mean, I, and, and, and as a reminder to lift your game. And that a lot of stuff that he said is still relevant about, you know, us, uh -huh. us selling, just to keep consciousness alive of America selling weapons to rotten countries and, yeah. and all the... See, I want to see him do that in a funnier way. But absolutely. There's this guy, Dave Smith, in L.A., this newer comic, but he's kind of libertarian. But he doesn't do the same way people do political comedy where they just, they just preach or they tell you these yeah. names you've never heard of. He does it in a way that everyone can laugh at. Well, that's it. Is you got to be sure not to sound like you're preaching. Yeah, yeah I th I've always thought you could say whatever you want as long as it ended up in a funny place. That's my worry about that TSA. Yeah, stuff. That's why. No, I think that's so, that's a really long acted out bit. I think it was that's funny. You know, and yeah. you're, you're I'm trying to stay conscious of not because everybody hits. you have to stand there like a little bitch and and com comply and get through this little process and the the the, the image of you being there what it, which is what everyone feels yeah the way you are on stage when you're talking about it, going no you know fuck you and <laughs> i'm not taking my shoes off that's how everyone feels it goes i'm really trying to get through to people like guys resist them you should all resist them fuck this just because they tell us they've never caught a terrorist all right whatever they never caught a terrorist never not one we've ever. killed a few who? Not the TSA. Oh, not the TSA. Oh, I thought And so. people are like, oh, you want another 9-11? It's like, you can be against them doing shit badly. <laughs> well, you have to say everything everyone does is great because I'm, a, I'm against 9-11. Like, what? Lock the cockpit door and get a drug dog. <laughs> not a drug dog. A bomb-only dog. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> a bomb dog. And you're fine. Just fucking grab you and say it's fine. They make you read your name sometimes. I'm like, Why? And they're like, oh, because our boss says this. I'm like, that's not everywhere. Why? And the people behind you say, just say it. I'm like, no, why? Just say it. I don't have to do what this guy says. It's just some guy. Why are we doing everything they say? No, in that machine where you have to stand with your hands up. Yeah, why are your hands up? And that killed. You can't uh, bring weed with you anymore. Why? 
I mean, that machine killed it. I've stopped com- completely traveling oh, with weed. Oh, I still travel from LA or, or, or Washington State or Colorado. No, I would only, I would never cross an international border. No, no, That's how much that. I love traveling. I mean, but I'm talking about in the old days when I would, yeah, when I would bring some weed with me. I would, I would only do it within the Could United you put States. It in your you put it in your. Uh, uh, I never did that on the uh, on your on your pubic bush, right? Yeah, on your underwear. I never did that. And now they're like, "What is this?" And like, it's it was weed. Right, but I mean, you could have a little. They shouldn't be searching for that, though. It was metal. It was a metal detector. So if we had it in your pants. You could go through, no problem. But we have a system set up where if you don't think that we're guilty of something, you can't search us. So if they find drugs on you, but they weren't even supposed to be searching you for drugs, then what? It's the new world. Be allowed to, it's the it's the terrorism thing. It's uh, you know. I, that's that's when I really started seeing it. I went through. I was on a pot cook and I went through the TSA. And it was the first, at LAX was one of them where I was in the first gate. I gotta go in a second, but it was the first gate. So I was just standing there looking at everybody, raising their hands. It looked real Holocaust-y. Yeah. You know, like one at a time and, and with these armed guards almost like behind them. It really looked just like everyone's under arrest. Yeah. And then I started seeing, I was like, who are these guys? Total police state. And you see like these even yeah. cops have badass more vehicles. Even the, yeah. even the even little local police forces have got like, uh, little James Bond looking shit. Now, there's a lot of money being spent on... That's why when people are like, when the gun control stuff comes up, I'm like, yeah, we shouldn't be shooting up schools. But then I'm like, hmm, I'm going to want, I'm going to want us to have some semi-automatic weapons to get, when the revolution happens, <laughs> we're going to need to be armed. Yeah. Do you have any words of wisdom or advice you can give the people of the earth? Yeah. We're all just going to die, man. So just be happy for a while. Just try to have some good times. See some people you like. Amen. That's why you're like, we have an hour. Let's just do it. Just do it's it. It's not hard to do those podcasts when you love them. That's it's right. fucking roads. I'll do it anytime you want, man. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You be around cool people. Enjoy your time. You're going to be gone. And you're going to have no memories. There's going to be an endless eternity of nothingness. Yeah. So just have a good time. Have a good time. All right, brother. We don't see each other enough. Yeah. We need to make more plans. Yeah. And, uh, It'd be cool if you actually start living in San Francisco and get a place. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm going to do it. All right, brother. Yeah. Love, love and respect. All right.